Welcome to the Whatnot Podcast, where we put the what into whatnot live every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. on Facebook and YouTube. Good evening and welcome to Wednesday night at 9 p.m. I'm Mike Z. This is the Whatnot Podcast. I'm Chris, and man, I missed you all last week. Absolutely. We've had some stuff going on, and just last week was just not going to work out. So we're back this week, though, and we appreciate you joining us. And we figured this might be a, a nice area to talk about that Chris and I have some, well, we've done a lot on both sides of this fence. So what we wanted to basically jump into tonight was just talking about how to work with manufacturers, whether you're, you're just starting out and you're wanting to be an influencer, maybe someone who just wants to get sponsorships uh, for everything that they do. We just basically wanted to, you know, come to you with what we've learned from doing this, both as a individual, you know, who's someone who's looking to try out new tools or whatever the case may be, as well as on the side of people who want to work with us in our day job. So kind of figure we'd go ahead and say that. So let's start the evening with uh, good old Gerald Vance. Hello from West Virginia. Hello, Gerald. And John, what you doing? Howdy. Yeah, when I was in high school, my senior year, they uh, they had a an internship at Broyhill and anybody in the woodworking class who had already taken two years of the woodworking intern woodworking uh, courses in high school got first dibs on this internship. Mm-hmm. Well, all I needed to know was it was furniture and it got me out of school around lunchtime. Didn't need to know anything else. This was my senior year. So, so I spent my, uh, most of my senior year working for uh, Broyhill in the afternoons from, Two to seven ish, and uh, I'm very familiar with their. Hello, yeah, I've had some uh, furniture that I purchased either at flea market, yard sale, or you know re re store kind of setup, and uh, I had the same problem. So I've just learned. I started making um, modified dovetails, so I make one piece that's like this, and then I make two side pieces that are separate that get fastened so it keeps that dovetail you know on track yeah cheap but it works you know yep. but anyway so what are we talking about tonight we're talking about for all you late joiners uh this is going to be ins and outs things that we've learned about working with manufacturers uh for myself i have worked with a few I have learned quite a few things being on the other side of that fence too with them as far as, you know, you know, the, when you get to know the sales reps, when you get to know the marketing people, what they look for, everybody's different. There is not a single one out there that is a carbon copy of another, which is, is nice. And at the same time, it makes it really difficult. Um, the other things that it is that somehow at some point I was invited into the uh, DeWalt sampling group. And basically what they do is that they send me a tool. They ask for an honest review. I have to send them a nice write-up, um, pros and cons. I never sugarcoat it. It's always like, hey, really thought this was cool. Fits with the rest of my drills or whatever my set is. Downside is this. And uh, the funny thing is I find those reviews are sent to Canada. They're not even using the U.S. So no idea how that works. But Sounds about right. Yeah, sounds about right. But Canadian um, marketing group testing the DeWalt products. I will say that if you, if, okay, so with that said, one, one caveat to that is that if you went ahead and you took reviews, Home Depot, um, Amazon, Walmart, Clean Sports Woodworking Shop, wherever you may want to leave your review, be consistent. 
have the same name. And then therefore you can take that and screenshot it and kind of put together a portfolio of how your reviews work. So some manufacturers are going to look for, you know, how you do reviews, how you do product reviews just online is reading content because people are out there and they're researching before they buy uh, if they can find anything that they want right now, but in the future and in the past, it's been that you, you know, you do a little research before you jump and jump the gun on something. Uh, even if you saw a video, you got really inspired by that video and you want to run out there and you want to buy it. Sometimes you're like, well, how many stars does I have? Okay. You know, mostly it's four and a half. That's cool. That must be pretty good. Let me read some of those reviews. If you show them what you can do as far as a good, honest review, and then the manufacturers are taking a look at how many people like that review how many people didn't like that review, if you got any comments or feedback on that review, to show you're engaged. That's what they're looking for. I'm not sure what you have on that one. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people who just do the review and are extremely favorable to some manufacturer or whatever just because they gave them a product. Um, but, I, you know, I've had conversations with people who've tried to send me stuff, and, you know, I give them honest, here's how I'm going to do it. And here's what I'm going to do. And, you know, it could go good or it could go bad. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to just sugarcoat it just because you're giving me a product. And most of the time they, they're willing to abide by that and kind of, it works. But if you don't, if you're, if you're inconsistent with that, people are going to see that and you're going to get less, be less likely to have people even want to interact with you. So you're using the trust equity type. Well, and, and it varies, too, because it depends on what, what side of that coin you're on. You know, there are a lot of people who want to get into making content and they want to, you know, want to try to be something they're not. So they're out, you know, peddling themselves to try to get free stuff. Mm -hmm. And I've just found that can be a little bit icky to certain people. And obviously, you working where, where we do, I'm sure you've gotten quite a bit of that mm -hmm. from people asking you to send them free stuff just to try to get free stuff. And, you know, I'm of the mindset, I want my, if I'm going to have content, I want that content to be honest and true. Not just truth, but true being, this is me. I'm a woodworker. I have X number of years experience. And I'm going to give you a valid, reliable review of what this product will do for me. Mm -hmm. and what it could potentially do for someone else. And there's some products that I just said, no, thank you. Appreciate it. If it doesn't fit where I am, you know, I, I, I'm not interested. If it looks cheap, I, I don't want anything, a cheap Chinese thing that, you know, is not going not gonna to make, I don't want to make it look horribly bad because you can tell right away how, how, what the quality is. And some people don't care. They just want product for free so they can just you know get content and do reviews and get free stuff and that's you just got to figure out where you're going to play that game and you know go from there well, let's see so gerald asked the question is there a minimum number of engagements before manufacturers or vendors will look at you as a potential partner and and really you will i'll let you go with this one chris before i jump in i i found that it depends on the manufacturer and for instance, I don't go out and promote myself as someone who wants you to call me and ask me to review your product. However, I've had a handful of people do that. And um, some have been because they have seen my video or my content 
reviewing one of the other products that of from theirs that I've purchased that I gave favorable reviews for. Obviously, I had my money invested, so I'm going to give reviews on what I think as a consumer. Some people reach out because of that. Um, others reach out because they've seen other content you've done on reviews of products and they like how you present the review. That's the key. If your method of reviewing a product doesn't mesh well with that manufacturer, they may not want to do, do business with you and partner with you. The key is be true to yourself. And and like Mike said, be consistent about it. And I, I feel like I do that fairly regularly because I've reviewed a lot of stuff that I purchased on my own. Um, because, you know, I don't, I don't go out and prostitute myself for free goods. Now, if you want to send me a t-shirt, I'll wear it. I'm, I'm not above that. But the idea is, though, is, is you got to be consistent with that. And I don't want to come across that way. And I've had uh, a shelving manufacturer, for instance, reach out to me, um, about shelves that they wanted me to test and review because I purchased their overhead shelving unit. And that worked out really well. And I was impressed with the overhead unit. I gave some cons about it, some issues that I had and how I fixed it. And they liked the fact that I not only showed how I installed their shelf, but also how I overcame certain obstacles that I ran into in my specific instance. Not everybody's going to have the certain circumstances that I was in, but that's what impressed that particular company about how I did the review. And that's why they wanted me to do um, reach out. And a lot of the tools that they sell are very similar to, to tools that I currently have access to where we work. And I've made a personal decision that if it's an exact replica, I'm not going to do that out of out of courtesy unless it's something specific. Uh, but if it's got enough differences to where it's not something that is going to cross any lines of personal versus professional work... I'll test it. And this company liked kind of what I did on this lab on one of the recent reviews of the, one of their tools. And they asked me to do another one on another because they wanted to know if there was other tools that I liked. And they had a couple tools that were really cool. So again, you've got to be true to yourself. And if, if they don't match with who you are and you don't match with who they are, I wouldn't sweat too much about, you know, the outcome. Just, just stay true to you and let that be the, the main, main focus. Yep. And so with that said, um, manufacturer wise, there's some manufacturers that, okay, so let me back up here. A lot of the people who are behind the scenes for the manufacturers you want to work with have zero interest in what the company does as far as what they sell, what they're used for. Um, and you can tell this, if you go to look at a company and they're posting things, um, I'm trying to think of the, I don't have an exact cause I don't want to call them out, but there's some that basically, you know, they don't have any idea what you're doing with the product. They're just like, Hey, great. Thanks for showing our product. Like, you know, we appreciate that. They're not engaging with it. You know, Hey, dang, that was a really cool way of using it. Never thought of that. When you can tell that there's a, someone who's behind the scenes actually knows what's going on or the team behind it knows what's going on. That really makes a difference to know who you're talking to. Um, but some manufacturers just say, Hey, look, we need, you know, 50,000. I know, and I can call this one out because this one has been, uh, for the longest time they were this way, rust only, um, 50 K on IG. That was it. You had to meet that goal in order to get any kind of talking to them. 
best thing to do is really just reach out to a manufacturer and just find out, hey, what's your minimum? What you looking for? You know, when can we start the conversation? I go about it a different way and I have with everything that I've done. I think my favorite one's Fuji because I made Fuji so mad at the fact that I was finishing all these things with a Harbor Freight gun that's, you know, 15 bucks and they have a $300 gun that when sitting down and just having a conversation um, with one with Jim from Fuji and he's just like, how in the world do you do that? And it's like, well, when you're used to using that type of gun, you make it work for what you got. He's like, what can I do to put one in your hands? I'm like, no, I don't want a free one. I don't want anything like that. And he's like, no, trust me, just what can I do to put one of these guns in your hands? So therefore you can see what a real gun's like. And I was like, Oh, it's a challenge. That's how I got my Fuji gun. It wasn't, I didn't ask him for it. I told him, no, you know, absolutely. You know, they don't have to do that. I'm not looking for that. I I'm fine with what I have. I'm really glad I got it because I learned so much about where guns have really come from since I've been doing this back in 2000, when it was a $300 gun, you're like, yeah, okay, that's automotive application. I don't need that. I can make do with what I've got. But when you see how much you save in materials, you start to realize that that's an investment for yourself for the long run. So um, like with the DeWalt thing, I have no idea. I don't know if someone threw my name in the hat or what, but they contacted me and said, Hey, you know, would you like to participate? Sure. Um, but anytime I get something, I've turned down a lot of things where I'm like, I'll never use that. Um, what was the one that chopstick maker? Oh, Bridge City Tools. Remember that chopstick? I would have loved to have had that. It was the coolest thing to me. It really was making chopsticks out of things like, um, oh, what do you call it? Uh, Paduke and Purple Heart and Yellow Heart and all that. But I had absolutely no use for it. So I'm like, no, I don't want to take that. So I'm, I don't take products just to take them. That's the other thing is that you don't want to be that person if you can help it. It's cool to get free stuff. Who's not going to like it? If you're not going to use it, then you're really not doing yourself any services for the conversation of that manufacturer moving forward with other manufacturers. They all talk. We've seen it. You and I have. I mean, when they're sitting down at dinner at a show, they're all sitting there and, they're, and most of all the salespeople know each other. They're hanging out. They chit chat about things. So names get thrown around a lot, you know, as far as, Hey, yes, yeah, I'm working with this person. Oh, that's cool. And they'll talk as far as, Oh, we, we didn't have a really good experience with that person, blah, blah, blah. So you got to stay true to yourself whenever you're doing yeah. something. So like with Mohawk, um, working on something, I don't know what we can figure out per se, cause I don't really want anything from them, but I want to help them on their content. Cause it's very, it's cold to me. They made all these great videos back in the 90s, and whoever was in charge of that did a good job, but then all of a sudden they just stopped, and then they tanked, and they had no social media. Here it is 2021, and they're trying their best to get back in the market. So for me, I just tag them on stuff so that way they can at least post it, something different, you know, give them something. It's completely for free on my end of it. I just want to get myself in front of them. Then they start the conversation, and we move on from there. Yeah. So that's how I've been doing it. On a personal level. Now, of course, when it comes to work stuff, you know, people, I try never to take advantage of that situation because then I don't think the trust equity is there for the people who want to see what I do outside of work. Does that make sense? Yeah. So as far as, let's see, Gerald. So that was a long way around to say that that depends on the manufacturer, Gerald. Some people want a lot. Some people want a few. So. And see, if you've been told you have a minimum of 10,000 views, is that on your videos? 
you know, because it's real easy to crank that up if you want to post it absolutely on every Facebook group. You want to embed it on every website, write a blog, have people share it. You can get views that way. But at the same time, the downside of that is, is that there's no engagement. So if someone's telling you they want 10,000 views, I don't know. I would talk to them more been like, well, you know, maybe I only have 5,000 views, but I have over 1,400 comments and I have over so many watch minutes. Like there's a lot in the algorithms and the stats that you could tell somebody. What really matters is that people are engaging with your content. You now, know? I have seen companies that said 10,000 subscribers. Yep. And if that's the case, that's a little different ballgame. And then it also depends on the subscriber on what platform. 10,000 on IG gets you the swipe up. That's why they want that. So therefore, your story that you post, you can swipe up to go directly to the website. Then that also starts a whole nother conversation as far as getting a bit tree or getting a tiny link or getting something where you can track that people are going from your posts to that company. That's the other thing yeah. is that you got to show that they're, because they'll come back to you and say, you know, we only had 87 views on this. This doesn't really seem like it's working out. You can say, well, I've got 347 over here. So, uh, you know, somewhere the numbers aren't matching up. You do have to have something for yourself that's accountability. And those two, BitTree or TinyLink, they work out really good for that. No, just say, yeah, you got to kind of cover yourself in that equation too. So yeah. That's if you make an agreement. I will say that there's also that factor. Do you make a, do you sign a contract? Do you make an agreement with them that you'll perform this much and get this in return? Every, every bit of that is different in how you want to do it. How do you want to do business with this company? Because basically this is a write-off for them. This is a marketing expense. They're not spending, you know, $3,000 to put this ad out on YouTube for 12 months. Instead, they're going to pay you this product, whatever the product may be. And they're expecting, you know, so much on their return on their investment. So you just have to look at it that way. So the company really is just an expense as far as their advertising costs. You're getting something for free. They're putting some into it. But what is it that they're, you're both looking to get out of it? And I've run into that with, um, you know, a couple couple companies that have reached out. And, and there's been a couple where I've reached out and gotten the same same similar answer that, you know, in, and sometimes that answer comes in, in silence, no response. You know, as a business, at least have the courtesy to say, you know, we're not a good fit or not at this time or something. You know, yeah. but I get it. They're probably being inundated with millions of people reaching out asking about that product i mean there there are certain finishes i mean i remember what was, uh, you know a couple of years ago rubio was just slaughtering you know people and giving them free stuff to go test their product mm -hmm. you know and, and so there are other companies like that who just flood the market with the product wanting wanting people to test it and they don't care who you know they they figure that, that name if they send out ten thousand and you know, 500 of them come back with a, with, with, with actual reviews mm -hmm. and of those 510 are really good that might be in that higher echelon of, of content creators, then they feel like they won, you know, then it was a flooded market that was, that was valuable. As, as a person who is approaching a company, you definitely want to make sure you can provide what you can provide. You do not want to approach a company if there is possible turmoil in your life. If there is a possible situation that is not taken care of, let's say you have a family member that's in jail or in court, 
may not be the right time to do a thing because if something happens and you can no longer fulfill your end of the bargain or the deal or the agreement, then that's going to look bad on you. I mean, yes, there are certain life things that happen, but at the same time, you definitely want to make sure you're in a spot that you can fulfill your part of the agreement. I've seen that a lot on IG where people, you know, oh my gosh, I got this great deal. I'm going to be working for you. And then like two days later, I've got to quit IG for a while. Some things came up and it's like, I mean, I I ran into something similar to that recently with um, the last tool that I reviewed. Uh, I had an agreement with them that that I would produce a video and some content within two weeks. And once I got the product, there was a life circumstance that occurred. And so I reached back out to that company. I said, listen, I've had this, this come up immediately. I reached out to them and said, look, I've had some things come up uh, personally that uh that it's not going to be able to happen in two weeks can can you extend that to two additional weeks mm-hmm. and i promise you not only will i do the review video but i will post content on other social media platforms intermittently in the process of performing that review and then when it's all said and done i will post my review and then promote it on my other platforms and they more than happily agreed to that and so sometimes if you come back with options because of life circumstances and most of these companies will be understanding mm-hmm. uh, there was no physical contract that was signed but it was a verbal agreement back and forth via email and i consider that because it's my word yep. that i told them i would perform this action in the time that we both agreed upon that it was my duty to then let them know that i was not going to be able to hold up my end of the bargain and offer them above and beyond what we originally discussed. So, you know, when you're dealing with that, regardless of how many followers you have, if you do that and you treat businesses that way, like Mike said, they all kind of talk in circles. So eventually that will come back and hopefully, you know, more companies will want to do business with me. And clearly it was acceptable because they reached out to me and wanted to do one more product review so uh but i don't think i think it all matters if they're coming to you gerald and they're saying you need to have ten thousand views on like is it on a story is it on instagram is it on twitter Ten thousand views where on one video like there's there's a lot open there i would really dig down and find out what they mean by that uh some will say hey you need to have ten thousand subscribers you know and they look at my number and they're like you've only got like a thousand it's like I'm not worried. Like, I'm not trying to like grow it all out of control. I'd rather have a thousand people who care about what I do than 10,000 or 9,000 people that are just kind of, you know, I don't know, people that just follow to follow. So they'll hope I'll follow back. Like there's another game, but yeah. say now, does that mean just views on this one video or does that mean how many people have seen my television show that's internationally, that's nationally shown? Yeah. If, yeah, I mean, yeah. You should. A nationally broadcasted television I mean, show. To, I mean, yeah. how, how many views you want? <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Let me, let me contact PBS real quick to find out how many views I have. Yeah. That should have been a, that should have been a no brainer to me, but I notice for myself, uh, people starting out very passionate, very, energy driven they're go 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 but if i note it i pay attention to a lot of instagram accounts um that i want to work with and if i'm watching them and it's like they have a lot of irons in the fire of different types that means that you know if you have 10 irons in the fire you're only putting for 10 percent per iron to get 100 percent done do i want to be a part of that that's it's number one thing i look at because 
if you have too many irons in the fire, you have too many things going on, burnout will eventually happen. And that's usually when they're like, oh, I got to take a break from doing this. You know, there's a lot going on. It just became too much, whatever. I've, I just see that happen all the time, especially Instagram is just an easy one to watch that happen with. Um, but with that said, if they are passionate about a product, like for you, for instance, Chris, you had that micro jig, you kept in evolving that system. You kept evolving things that could go on it, the jigs, the clamps, everything that you could do with that. You took like basically one product and grew things with it, but you did it for yourself. Hmm. And I think that's where they really start picking up on it is that it wasn't for free necessarily, but you were like, Oh, well, I could do this and I can do that and blah, blah, blah. It, it just started growing. Uh, when you can hold dust collection fittings so you can hang them and do everything you need to with that, that clamp, that was pretty cool. Like I didn't see anyone else doing that. Yeah. It, it's, it's been fun. And I just, matter of fact, just released another uh, video yesterday. No, it was today where I use my, uh, Mount, made a bracket for my sled to hold my phone, my new phone mount to it so I can get clean, clear shots without the bracket kind of bouncing around. Much more solid. It's fantastic. And, and another thing that we could do too, and this is for everyone who's listening as well. I have a stream deck. I haven't played with it yet as far as making it a part of our show right now, but it will eventually get there. I've been using it more and more daily. That's one thing I do is that if I go to review a product or if I go to integrate a product, I just start using it daily, find a use for it, try to throw it in, break the cycle that I've gotten used to doing. But I've noticed that I don't like the stand with it. So it has a lip on it to where you could make like you could see and see out a piece of wood and then it'll fall in and be nice and flush. And so I was going to find the template. There's a template somewhere for it. I think it comes in the box. So mm -hmm. You can make your own. I was thinking how cool would it be to, have, you know, give that to you and say, hey, Check this out. What do you think you could do? And then that's a CNC part that you could make for people. So my yeah. want and need in this case, where I think it's not really a want and need, but it'd be cool to have that if Chris could, then he looks at it, he's got time. He says, yeah, we could do that. Then that helps him out. That's a collaboration. Collaborations, I think, are extremely helpful for manufacturer talking because you're working within the community that they're already trying to get into or they're already trying to get their brand name out there collaborations are another thing a lot of people i don't i don't think they pay attention to brand wise i don't think they pay attention to the importance of being able to work together with someone else in a different platform or a different uh, medium but yeah so it's it's fun you know if you're if you're trying to get into it and everybody's got a different opinion mm -hmm. you know and and i'm not much of a go-getter i don't go i'm not much of a salesman on my about my own stuff you know, so I'm not going to go out and pitch myself to get free stuff. I just, I don't feel good about it. Um, now, there are times where I've inquired about special deals or something like that, uh, just to kind of test the waters and see what happens. And recently had a really good success story with that. And that was not my original intention, but it now not only got one of the only ones in the U.S., but it looks like the only ones in the U.S. for, I don't know how many more months it'll be before they're released to the public, but uh, I'm going to have probably nine months of testing on this thing before they ever go public and we'll see how it goes. I mean, I'm enjoying it. So. I think that that's one thing that is missing in today's market that used to be readily available was being able to do R and D in the field with customers. You know, like I have that Fuji gun and they told me, don't worry about it. This and that just, you know, just hit me every once in a while when you, when you post something, I just want to see you use it. Okay. 
But what I figured out is that, okay, so just like this stream deck here, I'm trying to incorporate it in all my finishing and this and that, but I'm also reviewing it at the same time. I don't think a review should be a week. Yeah. I think a review should really, you, you have to put it in there and, and Crystal, he can attest to this because I, I had that thing, what, three months maybe before I even put it, took it out of the box because I was so scared. I don't know about scared, but I was just like, man, I don't want to ruin it. Like it's $300 gun. I don't want to ruin that. But I noticed that, you know, in, in, in the testing, the spraying, the ability, changing the air, this and that, like you start to really get in depth with it and have a good review for it. So I will have that because I do need to get that out there. Um, because a lot of people ask, you know, Hey, how's that thing been doing? Cause they've, mm. for, uh, that's what I like about Instagram is that you have these people that are really engaged in what you're doing. They're, they're watching a lot when you do something. Uh, but when they finally come out and say, Hey, been watching a long time. I just have this question about it. It makes you feel kind of good. Like they're connected with you on this. They're invested with you as a person. And I think that yeah. matters because when you start seeing manufacturers following you, that's a good sign that they're paying attention to what you're doing. And you got to think too, the review is not. It's not something you're going to get instant gratification or within a month or six weeks. You got to think this is content out on the web. I'm getting, I'm getting a lot of messages and comments and questions about products that I've reviewed and assembled two, three years ago or two years ago. And it's questions about, hey, I saw when you did this, you ran into this problem and you overcame it this way. Well, I've got this problem and I'm not really sure what to do. What that does is that creates engagement with the consumer with not with you about a product that that's a brand that you were just promoting and reviewing. So then that creates more engagement on your channels, which boosts your numbers even more. And so it's been really fascinating to see a lot of these people inquire um, about certain products that I've done reviews on that are originally weren't set out to be reviews. They were just simply talking points of me going through the assembly or the unboxing or the initial test of the product. Sometimes reviews will come out of nothing and you wind up, don't hear a thing for, for a year. And then after two, after two years, all of a sudden it's one of the most popularly watched videos on your channel. Don't know how that works, but it does. Yep. You but, don't intend it to be that way. And also, and JP did say, by the way, that you nailed it and you did because Having that engagement, having someone ask the questions, you're being the brand ambassador at that point. So then you can also start to advertise yourself as a brand ambassador, which is when you start getting into affiliate links, you start getting into making money on the side with the brand because you're driving traffic to them. So that's another, I mean, there's so many different levels of this with talking with a manufacturer and how you want to do it. How are you comfortable with it? Which you know, there's people that do unboxing videos very well. There's people that try to get into it and then they realize that it's just not for them. So they have a couple on the website. Now, JP did say that I get railed when I do a review video without testing it. I have a pocket hole jig showdown video coming out in a few weeks that will have testing for four projects. I know one of the uh, pocket hole jigs you just, you just got and I'm sure you feel like me, you like its predecessor better than the most modern version that's available. What are we talking about? That new Craig? Mm -hmm. I, I still think yeah. the Craig one and uh, the pneumatic Craig one was the best design they ever had. And then they just kind of trashed it until they got to the K5. So my dad got it when it was original. If you get a chance, K5 or the original Craig system, if you can find one, they were metal. Jill says, I worked with a vendor manufacturer R&D department and they liked my comments. So they created a marketing video of me with their product. Lots of views, 
but it is on their site and not mine. It's still available to watch on their site. So there's another deal. The content that you make, is it for the manufacturer brand or is it for yourself featuring their products? It's another conversation you have to have. Yeah. You know, um, with us, you and I, if we do anything on company time, then it's company's views, company's video. But if we do something on our own time, then it becomes something that we can put on our time on our channel. Yeah. And that's just a rule we made with our boss because it's like, well, it's company time. That makes total sense. It's for the company. That's another thing you gotta, you gotta ask yourself. Cause I had last extravaganza. We had the three videos from the, um, reclaimed audio podcast guys. And each one made a video about saw blade. All I did cinema saw blade. And we featured that. I think it was for three months during the extravaganza, November, December. And then it was, you know, then I, you know, turned off monetizing for me, no copyright issues, had them put it on their channel. They can do everything they need to on their side of it. So I just gave it three months and that was just kind of a general, I just threw something out there. They said, sure, let's do it that way. So it's now theirs. They can do whatever they want to with it. It's still on our channel, but we don't make any money off of it. It's just views. And I don't have any copyright things. I'm like, no, that's theirs. We're actually using it. Well, it just gave me a thought, Gerald. Um, if you need 10,000 views on your, from this one company, if that video that you did for that other manufacturer has 10,000 views, there you go. use that as a sample. Say, listen, this is what I did when I worked, when I was doing some partnership with this other company and you show them a link to that video, they can see how many, how many views that video has. Mm -hmm. And if it meets that requirement for them, say, look, you know, this is, this is what happened with them and look at the results they've got. So there's ways around it. You're still utilizing content you created but you created it for someone else. So, you know, take advantage of that. Absolutely. That, that is a very good point because you're at, that's like your portfolio. That's your resume. Anytime you do any of these things, keep track of it, keep a view on it, influence, or I guess you'd say as someone who wants to work with the company and you have one video that blew up, don't use that video as the only video you have in your portfolio because they will go to check, you know, well, what did the videos before that do? Only oh, only 800 views on this one, 200 views on that one and 22,000 on this one. It, they're going to see real quick that, okay, not all your content's hitting where you're showing. So you don't want to, mm -hmm. you don't want to inflate it. Well, and that's the nature of social media. It, it can only be one video and out of the blue, something hits with that and clicks with the algorithm and just, just explodes. Mm -hmm. And the rest of your stuff, it's like, why, why is this video not doing it? In my opinion, it's better quality. The audio is better. The, the the product is better. The overall everything is better. Why is this not doing what that one did? And so you can't start getting into those questions. But like you said, you, you it's kind of an average. You know, if you're going to talk to customers and, and potential manufacturers about, you know, your content, you, you got to kind of give them a good average of what you normally see. I think Gerald's a really good case for everyone. If you hadn't figured, if you haven't seen it yet, at the same time, if you've ever watched the content, like I'm just watching the videos and very, very well spoken lot. It's almost like you get a history lesson with the furniture. So you get the heritage part of it. You get the understanding of why this was there. And yet to me, the views are very low. Like I think it should be way bigger than it is. Now I know with, with Gerald, he's almost got like a team. He's got people, he's got, um, restrictions, I guess is a good way to put it. Cause it is kind of PBS. So it is owned in some ways. Uh, so he has to kind of watch how he advertises it and where he goes with it. Yeah. And so, you know, he's got a really good niche with his presentation because he's not only 
building a reproduction piece of furniture, but he's also, like Mike said, providing the history of that piece of furniture. And that's a niche market. There's, I don't know of any other people that are doing that. Uh, and I, I mean, I by no means know everybody, but that's to me is a very niche market that you could take advantage of, um, and start looking at other avenues, not just woodworking side of things. Look at, um, you know, the history channel or places that d dabble more in, in period history. Um, that would be a good avenue partner with people who, who are more into that side of it, not necessarily the furniture side. You're bringing a different market than what their people would normally see. So I don't know, I could be wrong, but I think that would be a fantastic way to maybe approach it is start looking outside of that woodworking box and more into the historical side of it and see if you can't get some, you know, partnerships that way. And then the other thing is too, is that you don't have to, okay. So when you have this skill set, when you have this, this amount of information, um, when you're providing this level of content, um, curiosity stream is one that is loaded with a lot of people from YouTube who have an, an, an exceptional amount of information on a topic. And so then they go to curiosity stream. There's other services like Magellan, TV. Um, but basically what you're doing is, is that their services, their paid services, uh, to where people who want that content, they want quality documentaries, whatever it may be. And so they're seeking something, they'll pay a premium for that subscription and you'll get paid more because of whatever they watch. And that's, it's almost like a YouTube premium, except for they're looking for, you know, television shows and everything else on theirs where these other channels are actually historically going to be aimed at people who are interested in this and that'll grow much bigger too. And I'll tell you what, um, with the recent, the plus channels, uh, meaning, you know, all these, all these networks now are offering the, the online plus version with, which gives you not only their normal channels, but it also gives you a lot of, additional things that, that aren't aired nationally on television. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, discovery plus, you know, they, they cover the HGTV, um, and some of these other networks that are subsidiaries, but there's a lot of those that, that are now coming up with, with smaller networks within that online streaming service. That would be to me a, a very cool thing to try to, you know, potentially look at getting, getting in touch with some of those folks. Cause again, I would push that history side of, of your furniture making. Cause that's, that's again, nobody's doing that. Mm. Everybody's either making furniture or they're making history or talking about history. This is really bringing it back. The closest I could think would be like Barnwood builders that those guys do a very good job in their, in their show of not only showcasing the historical side of most of the cabins that they tear apart, but then a lot of times they're off, you know, in the middle of an episode with a little five minute stint where they're talking to some guy who's who's restored something and in, in presenting the history behind it. That to me, that's why I love that show, because it's very authentic that way. And it brings not only the modern ways of doing these things, but it's using the old stuff and you're getting the history and you're getting the interaction. So it's, it's a great little package. And you got very similar setup to, to that. Very good. And he said he's trademarked, so no one else can do exactly what he's doing, which is great. So 
I don't know. I'm looking at the, I'm looking at his YouTube channel. He's got 829 subscribers with 73 videos, some trailers, some full, you know, 26 minutes. So 30 minute videos, 30 minute shows. Vimeo now has a streaming service that you can basically upload wherever you want to and people pay for it. And you can, you have your own channel, if you will. Reddit's another really good place, but Reddit's, they're a little weird. So you got to be a little bit more cautious in how you do things there because it's, it's, it's set up differently. You got to have karma coins and weird things, but actually everything's based on engagement. mm -hmm. Same thing, but you're completely rated on your engagement. So karma, what he's talking about is if you make a comment on something and you're a, a D bag about it, then you lose karma. If you're contributing and you're giving good points or advice, then your karma goes up because people give you a little thumbs up on your comment. Yeah, Reddit can be great, but then again, you can get some unruly subs. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, if you're working with a manufacturer, the biggest thing to look for is just to ask the questions that you want to know because you don't want, I don't, I don't personally want anyone to have to go jump through all these hoops just to do it for a free product or for sponsorship on something. Yeah. So when we, you know, we're, we're here talking about, you know, the idea of, of either partnerships or, or, uh, working with manufacturers to do reviews and, you know, it can go so many ways. Um, but you know, Gerald, what I can tell you, man, stay true to what you got, man. Cause you got a really good gig there, a really good platform. And, uh, you know, if you keep doing that, it'll, it'll come around. I feel confident in that. Absolutely. You have people begging for your stuff. And, and really the history lesson behind it while you're doing it, maybe, I mean, I don't want to tell you what I think because I really think you're going on a, on a, on a track that is right. You know, anything mm-hmm. I say to you isn't going to help much because I think you're already there. The downside of it is, is getting it out there. Okay. Um, I know for instance, on your YouTube channel, this is for Gerald. And please don't everyone go run out and steal this, but he doesn't have the channel name locked in after a hundred subscribers. Like as simple as that may seem when you go to embed these things or you go to advertise mm. it or you go to search for it. Um, Appalachian heritage Woodshop did not come up early because the URL is not there. Your name is not on the channel necessarily as far as, you know, youtube.com slash channel slash Appalachian heritage Woodshop. So that simple, as simple as that is, that also goes to Google, that goes to Bing, and that starts to grow how people can find you. Okay, all three of our viewers tonight, go out there now, and you subscribe to Appalachian Heritage. Ah, yeah, J.P. Brown went after a sponsor because he loves their products and their company culture. So J.P.'s talking to me right now. (laughs) And not all of us can be like Bourbon Moth. Not all of us can meet Neil Patrick Harris and make a tree bench uh so in talking with jp for instance he had this great idea he had a couple of videos he was going to do he wanted to feature the products in the videos um you know he had and and so what i did with jp and i try to do with everybody is like okay give me the three things you want and the reason i do that is because i don't want you to do something you don't want to do i can see it in the video i can see it in every sponsored content video when someone's out there and they're like I really like using this product. It's the greatest product I've ever used. Um, they're paying me for every time I say product. I can tell that and instantly I'm turned off as a viewer. So I don't want people to do that for anything. And, and, but at the same time, timing was wrong. 
you know, I said, Hey, maybe if we can wait till the extravaganza or push it closer to that. So he's making videos, he's doing his thing about it. And then I get everything worked out on the back end. but at least I'm transparent with them. That's one thing I try to be on anyone who contacts or talks to me about these things is try to be as absolutely transparent as possible because at least they understand I talk to anybody and they beat around a bush or yeah, we'll get back to you. And, and it's like, okay, look, I'm super busy right now. I'm not going to get back to you for like at least a week. This is the truth. And you know, if they're like, oh, well, you know, thanks for your time. I'll go somewhere else. Okay. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say, yeah, I'll get back to you and then forget. Yeah. And if you're going to get into that, you know, you may have to start with something like instead of getting a partnership with money, partnership with product. Partnership with product is great, by the way. Yeah. And I'm more than happy with partnership with product because I need product. If it's product I don't need, I don't care about, you know, sponsorship, but, or the, the partnership with that. But, you know, it's an interesting topic, you know, I mean, I wasn't sure where we were going to go with this tonight, but I well, couldn't believe it filled an hour. Yeah, no, me neither, actually, because there's still like a hundred things I could talk about in this particular thing with everything that I've learned doing this job from the industry side and then watching other companies do this job and their criteria. You know, I know there's power tool machinery people. They don't want to give up a single product. Everyone can get as mad as they want to at SawStop. Chris is now extremely available to demonstrate and review a SawStop cabinet saw, a PCS 36-inch fence. Nuh-uh. Did you get More that? than free to test that for you and review it. Oh, oh, that's right. You're still in the market for one, aren't you? Yes, and, and, and use it a lot because my table saw is the hub of everything I do. Actually, your entire shop is centered around the table saw. That is true. It is. That is true. It's my, I call it my saw island. That makes sense. I like that. It's, it is. It's, it's essential. It's Can't do anything on the CNC or? until I cut it on the saw. So. Yeah. Like, good, good luck with some of that. So <laughs> part two. Of I, I'm not stuck on saw stop. I will accept Laguna, Powermatic, Jet. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well. So, okay. So here's where you either are joking about it as a person, you know, cause I know Chris is joking, but at the same time, Hey, who wouldn't like a machine dropped off at your door to review? Yeah. We say that it's not going to happen right now in this market. No one's going to be dropping off a machine because they don't even have machines to sell to people and people are paying premiums to get their machines. So yeah, if you're looking about that, to, to do a, a dust collector too, but I got, hey, it, you, know. you got lucky on that one. That's all I'm say. <laughs> Chris Miller needs some cliff notes. Chris, we're basically talking about how people would contact you. Who's cliff. <laughs> So we're talking about it's, it's capital. So I didn't know yeah, that was just, it, talking about your buddy Cliff. Is that is that like a family member? Basically, how people would call manufacturers or talk to manufacturers for sponsor content, for videos, for products, for reviews, for whatever. Because Chris and I both have different ways of going about it. We've been approached different ways, and then we just want to share with everybody how how to take a look at it because every company is different. Yeah, see, I've got a really good friend who's in a certain product business that, you know, it's a product that I use a lot. So, yeah, there's some manufacturers will say we're not going to throw our, because see, okay, so here's one of those people, Chris Miller. We enjoy him as a person, so we're not going to throw him out there on what he does. But at the same time, he is, he is a great resource for us to just ask these questions as well. How does this company go about doing this? Because there was a product, I can say this because it didn't, it didn't work out. As a business, okay, we were looking for a product that we could not get. 
And there is a particular sanding kit that I made up that I was I'm very passionate about. So for me, I need to find more of these parts. So as now remember, I'm working for a company, so I don't necessarily, it's not going to hurt my feelings either way. But if I can find something that'll fit the niche for everybody else looking for the same thing, then yes, I'm going to reach out. So I reached out to him and he was nice enough to say, hey, I'll call over to my production people, see if it's possible. And then came back and they said, you know, they just don't see a reason to manufacture this at this time. Okay, not a big deal. So even as someone who works in the industry, we still have to do this negotiation, this, 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 not a game, but at the same time. Song and dance, baby. Song, song and dance. dance. Song and dance is good. So it never ends. I'll put it that way. Because when you're passionate about something, that's the key though. I think with all of this is that you need to be passionate about the products that you're going to be endorsing, selling, using. Because if you're not, it's going to, everyone's going to see it. Even the best yep. actors out there can't hide the fact they really don't like this product, but they got paid a lot of money. So they're going to tell you about it. Yeah. Sometimes that song is more like a bad karaoke night and that dance is like a lane from uh, Steinfeld Joe. Yes. So uh, Chris doesn't look a gift horse in the mouth. No, no, he doesn't. Nope. Not usually. Well, we could do this as part two because we can get into um, your limited supply dust collector <laughs> and how many months you have to review it. And at this point, it's limited edition. Well, not only that, there's also so limited an edition that you have the one that's not fixed yet. It's the one of a kind. Yeah. So, but at the same time, that makes it so rare. So you have this opportunity as a person, as a content creator, to build up the hype, which is great. You know, and maybe we should try to reach out to, um, well, Gerald knows who Chris works for, doesn't he? Well, you just let the cat out of that bag. Maybe you oh, didn't, did just I? like Sawbites. Oops. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, we could uh, maybe try to find find someone to uh, who, who's got a ton of experience in this uh, arena and maybe try to have them on as a guest uh, guest speaker. Let's see here. You have the countersink for a man, right? I have the uh, Nomar bit. Nomar yeah. bit. Did a review on that one. Yeah, well, not only did I do a review on that bit, but because I had already purchased the Snappy version of the same thing. Mm-hmm. I did a full head-to-head competition between the two, so it worked out. I mean, I don't, you know, whatever. But yeah, we should try to find somebody who does a lot of these uh, partnerships with reviews and stuff like that, and try to get them on here. I'm gonna buy a Craig Foreman. Are you really? One of these days, yeah. I want one after I buy my table saw. So there's the next two purchases. There we go. Hey, so uh, JP says he's gonna be in Greenville next month for work. He wants to buy us tacos. If we do, I'd say it has to be on Taco Tuesday, and we got to find a table saw so we can tag Berkey in it. Does he know that Greenville's not close to Hickory? I heard tacos. That's up to him. Hmm. Which Greenville? I thought we were advertising for his next comedy show. And JP Brown will be in Greenville, South Carolina, next month for a special show at the Taco Shack by the Highway Twelve. Ooh, Highway 12 Taco Shack, where every Tuesday night is double tacos and free beer. Every Wednesday, they're fish tacos. Our tacos will travel. Yeah, I think anyway. we should. I think we should have a part two on this. This is not a bad idea. And yeah. then, uh, you know, by the way, if you guys are interested in jumping on anytime, we can invite you and you can jump yep. in at any time. 
in in whenever we do this. So if you're like, hey, I really want to jump in there and I really want to talk about this particular topic like JP, because I know he's got cameras and such and he could do that. Gerald, you got your camera set up. You know, even Chris Miller, yeah. that'd be a lot of fun. Kyle, come on, Kyle. And we've been asking Kyle for a while, you know, just, hey, at this point, if you've been watching this even twice, we consider you family. So come on board. Thank you. We'd love to have you. We'll, we'll create a topic around your favorite thing to discuss. And hey, we'll, we'll put you in one of these little squares on the screen here. We got we'll, we'll fit squares. you in. We can do up to six squares. For everyone who has joined us tonight, thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. This went by so fast. Appreciate you staying late. We do not pay overtime, but we appreciate you staying late. Absolutely. But by the way, eventually going late will be only available on our Patreon. So sign up on our Patreon to uh, support us in our podcast ventures. It, they will then be called What Not Podcast After Dark. It's our, Maybe after the show. I was going to say, because it's already dark whenever we do this. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do the after show, after show party or something. The after party. I guess that's what the famous people call it. Thanks for the not sponsorship. Of course. Of course. You are one of the what notters. You're one of the originals. Yeah, we never did do that shirt. You know, we work with a lady who makes t-shirts. We should just come up with a good graphic design and get that to her. And then we can go to wherever and pick up just some green t-shirts. I tell you what, Gray t -shirts. JP, JP Brown will do the design. Kyle will come up with something cool to go along with that, and then we'll make the t-shirts happen, and we'll get the yes, white natas. If you walked away feeling like you didn't learn a thing, hey, that's what we're here for. That's right. We're here to help. If you feel like so. you were more confused than when you got here, you're in the right place. Welcome to the family. <laughs> so once again, I am Dustout One on Instagram. Chris is Chris Crosscrafts or Christ Crosscrafts, if you want to remember there's a T in there, because I like to bug him about that. Christy Cross. No, now they're confused and think there's a Y. <laughs> Christy Cross. Not sponsored by Christy Cross or any yeah. of her affiliates. Thank you. Yes, JP has made our comment that our mic game is on point when he came into the that big live that we had. Oh. Well, you know, if it's not, then uh, I've epically failed on, on the money I've blown. So there we go. Actually, you got yours pretty good price. But Chris, what did you, what did you get real quick? Uh, mine is the Samson Q9U, and I absolutely love it. Uh, I, I was using a different Samson, and I could not get the sound to sound great. And this has a lot of different settings on it. But, yeah, this is so much better than the other one. Got to have the, the cap. Got to have the cap for it. And the reason is is that not only the pops, but the, the any anything, the, the saliva in your mouth, it drives me insane hearing it. So that helps quite a bit. Uh, yes. Word. Sounds like a nasally redneck. No, you're judging yourself too much. You don't sound like a nasally redneck. You just sound like a red and redneck. I mean, that's, that's fine. <laughs> just... <laughs> oh, that's horrible. Sorry, man. I had to go there. I had to go there. Not because you sound like a redneck, but you opened the door and I just, yeah. I couldn't resist walking through. I apologize. Yeah. See, we can't bash you for that now. So see, now you've made me look like a complete heel for, for just, you know, cackling on no, you a little no, bit. Cause he says, I mean, Chris ain't wrong. Let's see. Yeah. I guess. All right. So what yep. are we doing? Episode uh, part two of, um, actually it'd be like one and a half right now at this point is what we're getting <laughs> to. We're in a one and a half territory. Just, we got to give them free, free, free taste. I mean, that's how you get people hooked on the drug. Oh. The drug of whatnot podcast. So thank you so much for watching on the whatnot podcast. 
I'm Mike D. Yeah. I'm Chris. All right. And so next week, it'll be part two of the how to talk to manufacturers and waste an hour and a half of someone's life. Yep. Hey, y'all have a great night, great week, and we'll see you next time. Have a good night, everybody.